Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Boiling point. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Monday, September 20th, 2021. The word is boiling point. Boiling point is when it gets right to the surface. The little bubbles start. You're ready to make your pasta. You're all excited. And you're saying, hey, is one bubble enough? Can we just put it in and start cooking it now with one bubble? And then you get a few more little bubbles and then bigger bubbles. And then, boom, you put the pan on top. You put the top on the pan. And all of a sudden, it starts flowing over. There's water everywhere. And you've lost control. And the only way to cure that is to turn the gas down to stop the boiling. Boiling point is a word that we use in baseball a lot. Let's not. Let this get to the boiling point. Excuse me, are we at the boiling point? How close are we to the boiling point? If the following three things happen, are we at the boiling point? We're talking about the San Diego Padres, which have been second only to the Cowboys, Washington football skins, and the New York Mets as the greatest content machine for nothing personal. We have to do a top five, Coco. We should do that. Top five content providers for nothing personal. But AJ, we've got two different medical records. Preller and the San Diego Padres have been pretty good about doing things that make me smile. Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis had a little kerfuffle over the weekend, and it got a ton of attention, more so because they're the Padres, one of the great disappointing teams of the season for those who don't know anything about baseball. For those who do, the Padres with Snell and Darvish and Machado and Hosmer and Myers and Tatis and yada, yada, yada were not really expected in my mind to do anything. As a matter of fact, I think we have a wait to see. Everyone was choosing them to be in the World Series or win the World Series or compete with the Dodgers or win the West. I had them not winning the pennant. I may have had them not even making the playoffs. That would have been a good wait to see. Players fight, folks. There's nothing to see here. I've told you this before. When you are living with someone for 162 days out of 185, plus a few travel days on the off days worked in there, you're in a clubhouse and you're naked. And there's media and there's pressure and there's money. You are living in a pot that has gas on And it's simmering all season long. And it takes just the smallest little, uh, a little to make it boil over. The Padres have been losing more than they're winning since the All-Star break. They're under 500. Or maybe they're under 500 in August. I'm going to say they're under 500 since the All-Star break. They've had lack of performance. They've had injuries. And the players are frustrated. The front office is frustrated. 
the owner is frustrated. When you are running a team that is underperforming during a crucial moment, and that happened to me several different seasons, you have several choices. My most popular choice would be to fire someone. Fire a manager, that'll get it going. Fire a coach, that'll definitely get it going. Send a player out, trade a player, do something, change the status quo. Unfortunately, in baseball, changing the status quo by changing out one thing generally doesn't work because if you're losing, you're losing as a team because there's something wrong with the team. But the Padres said, we know what to do. We'll fix it. We're going to fire our pitching coach, that very accomplished pitching coach with the Yankees and Cubs named Larry Rothschild. And they just fired him. Meanwhile, since firing him, I think they're seven games under. They're not pitching better. They're not hitting better. They're not winning games. So that didn't work. So as a president of a team, I'm going to be in the clubhouse a little more. And I'm going to try to see if there's anything I can do to turn the gas down. Maybe a little side trip to Vegas. Maybe possibly some sort of fun post-game party. A dance party in the clubhouse. We used to have those. We'd bring in a ball and put music on and just dance and listen to all different types of music. That's a possibility. Something that just maybe bring in uh, video games where you can play video games or Nerf basketball, have a competition, a ping pong tournament, something just to try to see if you can lower the pressure. Unclear what the Padres have done. All I know is as a consequentialist, it doesn't much matter because it hasn't worked at all. So Fernando Tatis strikes out. The Padres are winning that game two to nothing. They end up losing three to two to the Cardinals. They end up getting swept by the Cardinals. There are three and a half games behind the Cardinals for the second wild card for the right to go to Los Angeles or San Francisco and get their ass kicked on the on the wild card game. So Tati strikes out. He doesn't like it. He starts huffing and puffing and blowing his house down. The manager, Jace Tingler, runs out to the field to protect his player. Good move. You don't want your player ejected. Jace Tingler, the manager, gets himself ejected. Tatis goes to the dugout, and Machado starts yelling at him. And it's on video. We've told our players once. We've told them a thousand times. Everybody's listening. It used to be only the people in the front row could hear. Now the entire ballpark hears what you're saying because it's been videoed, then it's being posted, and then it goes bacterial. And once a video like that goes bacterial, you as a team, you have to do something about it. So what the Padres decided to do is not make Tatis and Machado available to the media. That's mistake number one. I would not ever let that happen. You go into those players, you tell them they're meeting the media, and you get your story straight. You don't come up with, hey, there were rats in the tunnel leading to the dugout. That's the famous Lindor story that they went to with the New York Metropolitans. You meet the media and you say exactly what happened. If you want to say it was a teaching moment from a 29-year-old Machado to a 20-year-old Tatis, a 22-year-old Tatis, I'm fine with saying that. If you want Machado to say that in the heat of the moment, I wanted to make sure that Tatis did not get ejected from the game. We've had players go after players because they were trying to hold them back. 
Do not get ejected. It's too important. We have to win this game. We need you. You can't be suspended. If you're Tatis, you make sure you tell him to go to the media and say, hey, I just was so disappointed with the strikeout. There was no reason to take it out on the umpire. I want to thank my manager for having my back. And I am going to do better. And this team is going to do better. If you're Jace Tingler, the manager, you get out in front of the media and you say, I was protecting my player and I am okay with what went on here. Jace Tingler did meet the media, said something pretty similar to that, except he said it totally wrong. What we don't say to the media ever or to you, the fan, when there is an internal fight that gets caught. Remember when Craig, not Craig Kimbrell, I think it was Craig Kimbrell who went after Bryce Harper, but it, it was Jonathan Papelbon of the Phillies who went after Bryce Harper in the dugout. How about the famous Rob Dibble, Lou Pinella dugout fight and then clubhouse fight, whatever. Fine. You never say it's not viewed negatively. We're a family. We're not going to discuss the details, Tingler said, but we care. There's passion. There's frustration. Those are all emotions that are natural, and those things happen. Boring. More roar. That's what everybody says. I want my manager to come out and say something slightly different. I'm going to tweak it a bit, and here's how I'm going to tweak it. The team is playing so poorly right now, ever since we fired our pitching coach. I feel as though that we needed a spark. And when I saw the possibility that there could be some sort of public spat, I thought there would be a chance that that would catapult us out of our catatonic state. While I've seen this before with players, the manager would continue to say, what I don't often see is two $300 million players going after each other. And I like it. I'm good with that. What does it mean for the Padres going forward is another thing you should ask yourself because the Padres have a far bigger problem than Machado and Tatis. The Padres have a problem because the players are not properly respectful of Tingler. They're not properly respectful of Preller. They're wondering why it is that they cannot perform. What, what are they missing? They basically gave up. Remember when Andy Green got fired and A.J. Preller brought in Andy Green and the Padres were again supposed to be good, but they weren't good. So they got rid of Andy Green. And then I said to you, they're going to bring in. And I may have even had a wait to see. I can't remember that the Padres were going to hire an experienced manager. And then, boom, they brought in a guy who had no experience in Tingler, no major league, no minor league, nothing, zero. Close with A.J. Preller. That's what he had. Well, A.J. Preller, for whatever reason, is still the GM of that team. A.J. Preller is going to have to fire Jace Tingler at the end of this season because the new owner, Peter Seidler, who spent all this money and is not making money right now, is going to have no choice but to make a change. It's pretty disappointing what's happening with the Padres if you're a Padres fan, isn't it? But don't worry. Yeah, it's not going to get better. Okay. Ooh. Hold on. I'm spinning the ball. I'm spinning it. Here I go. I'm spinning the microphone. At the end of a show, do you know what we do? 
I don't know if you're, you know this because Coca may turn the microphone off and turn the camera off, but we take the microphone and we spin it like we're shoving it in all the other podcasts face. Hey, we're doing great. I mean, we want more listeners. We want you to tell your friends about us. We want you to keep rating, reviewing and following and subscribing and all the stuff you do. But we do a little Snoopy dance. We wag our tails. We spin the uh, the microphone. We look at all the rankings and we say, hey, we're ahead of you and you and you and you and you. We're taunting. We should do that. Like just you know, the expression is drop the mic, but I don't want to drop a mic because then I'd have to buy a new mic. So I could spin the mic and nothing would happen. In football, there was a, a play yesterday that caught my attention that required a conversation. The NFL through John Mara, who is the Giants old white owner, he uh, was the spokesperson for the new NFL taunting crackdown. I know everyone's getting concussions. I know we're having some serious COVID vaccination issues, some COVID issues. I know we've got some domestic violence issues, but let me tell you where we are drawing the line. No taunting. 15 yards if we catch you taunting and we've told all the referees to call it. We want to see 10 taunting calls a weekend. If any player, and this is the rule of taunting, this is from Roger Goodell and John Mara and all the other older white guys. Hey, if you see any player having any sort of fun and you think there's a chance that it could hurt the feelings of an opposing team, call the penalty. And the reason we need you to call the penalty is that all of the sponsors for the NFL, no matter how woke they claim to be, they actually don't want any part of that sort of behavior. They don't want their brand associated with the behavior where there's taunting. Now, you beat the crap out of your wife or girlfriend or kick her in an elevator, we're good, no problem. But celebrating, stomping on an opposing team's logo, spinning a ball after you make a catch, diving into the end zone, where was the Lamar Jackson taunting call? He dove into the end zone for no reason. There was no one around him. He did like a somersault. How's that not a taunt? Where was the 15 yards for that? That referee crew is going to get a talking to. The NFL is saying, you know why there's no taunting? They're actually saying it because of COVID. They don't want to do anything. And baseball is doing the same thing. Everybody but the NHL, I guess. Although they did something, right? They don't want fighting. You don't want anything that will cause any sort of fight because the view is if you're fighting with the player, maybe your helmet's off, maybe you're spitting right in their face. And I'm laughing because in football, if you're worried about on-field transmission of COVID, uh, you can't play football because is there anything more possibly at risk for transmission than guys piling up on each other with their head in each other's ass? Digging for balls and hitting people as hard as they can, grunting. Of course, COVID, if it's going to be transmitted on field, there's going to be a risk. But we've learned that generally COVID is not transmitted on field. But the NFL can't take the chance 
They want to help the owners who said to Roger Goodell, hey, listen, Raj. Do us a favor. I know you have a rule that says if we miss games for non-vaccinated people who get COVID that we're going to lose money. So could you do whatever you have to do to make sure that there's no fighting and there's no real physical contact in the game outside of the 10 minutes of action in a football game where the plays actually happen? Would you mind making that a rule? And Roger said, no problem, because I'm getting that sort of conversation from sponsors as well. But we're going to get to say it's because of COVID because we want to give protection to all the old white people who don't want to be associated with that sort of behavior. I couldn't possibly disagree more with the taunting penalties. And the reason is that it's not new, right? Do you remember inside the NFL, there was a clip that was always shown of a former coach named Jerry Glanville. Jerry Glanville was having a conversation with a referee that was overheard for NFL films. And he said, this is the NFL, which stands for not for long if you're going to make core shit calls like that. And when I heard that quote, and you hear it over and over because it's always on, it's always on, it's always being shown, it's pretty funny. People then took it a step further to say it's not just not for long, it also means the no fun league. NFL, the no fun league. Do you think Roger gets upset that it's called the no fun league? Absolutely not. Because all of you play fantasy, all of you gamble, and all of you watch football. Do you buy the products of the companies who advertise during the football games in the Super Bowl? Hmm, that's a question for another day. But if it takes being the no fun league in order to keep up that sort of revenue stream that is so helpful to the amazing valuation that could lead to the Broncos getting $4 billion from Jeff Bezos for their team, I promise you, Roger Goodell and the rest of the NFL owners are not going to change the way they manage the game. They're not going to change the way they police the game. They are going to make it so it is as vanilla as possible. No fun. And it's going to be for long. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that Coco won't even watch. And then we're going to talk about several things that are going on on the diamond. It has been a fascinating weekend of baseball. We are now within two weeks. Today is September 20th. The first wild card game is, say it with me, I'm delaying right now. Today's Monday the 20th, so it's two weeks from tomorrow. 21 plus nine is nine. So it's two weeks from tomorrow, the first wild card game. That's awesome. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. In case you don't know, and you're listening to the show, my name is David Sampson, former president of your Florida Marlins and Miami Marlins. Thank you for making it through that gauntlet that CBS plops into every show. 
I guess it's a sign of popularity, maybe. Who knows? I watch a movie every day as part of the show, no matter what. It is so great not to sleep, except for when you're not sleeping. But it really does lead to a lot of time. There's a new Amazon movie called Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And I wanted to spend a minute to get at least one of you to watch it who otherwise wouldn't. Because you watch the trailer, you see it's about Jamie from England who wants to be a drag queen. And you say to yourself, eh, that may not interest me. That particular set of desires does not interest me. There's been amazing movies about drag queens. I think my number one has to be Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I'd have to really think about it. Although Tootsie, I guess, would be number one. But I don't know that Tootsie would be defined as a drag queen. Hmm. What about Woody Harrelson in anger management. It's a good one too. But no, let's not do the top five right now. What we're going to talk about is this movie. And whether you, where you are politically, doesn't matter to me. Where you are sexually, doesn't matter to me. Do you like to be entertained? Do you like stories that are true, but are really sort of glamorized to make for good entertainment? Are you willing to allow yourself to enjoy an hour 50 of great songs, great dancing, and a great story that has heartbreak in it? Because how many more movies do we have to see? And this is what got to me the most, one of the themes of the movie. It's a true story about a boy, 16-year-old boy in England who wants to dress as a girl. Sharon Horgan from Catastrophe, that great TV show plays a teacher who at first will not let him and then she warms up, I guess. But the thing that got to me the most and why I want to mention this movie as a must see, I want you to see what it's like for a child <clears throat> or for anyone when your lack of tolerance manifests itself and leads to permanent trauma and unhappiness. Jamie's father in this movie has no interest in a boy who wants to wear women's shoes or women's clothes or sing and dance as a woman. The father wanted a boy's boy, a boy who likes sports, a boy who would have liked football, soccer, football in England. And the dad disappears. That's what he does when his son is not who he wants his son to be. And that got to me. And it got to me because if you are going to let your incredibly pinheaded, narrow view of the world actually get in the way of the love of you should have for your child and the tolerance you should have for your child and supporting your child to be whatever it is they want to be that makes them happy, but it doesn't make you happy. So therefore, it shouldn't make them happy. So you tell them, don't do this or worse. You say you can't do it or I'll punish you or I'll hit you or I'll ignore you and I'll abandon you. Is that really the world you want to live in? Everybody's talking about Jamie on Amazon. Please watch it. So when teams have players who are expected to perform at a certain level and then don't, you have a lot of decisions to make. I think we talked about it a little bit with Yelich, who's having a season that is below par for what he 
should be and what he has been and what he will be again. What do you do when you have a player like that? Well, someone asked me, and we're going to answer. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get on my Twitter at David P. Samson. We've had some fun on Twitter recently at David P. Samson. Get into the DMs. I will try to answer as many questions as I can, either on the air, on the side, but obviously I can't get to all of them, but I'm going to try. David, love the show. Thank you. And the incredibly unique perspective you provide as a baseball diehard. Thank you. As a Dodgers fan, the Bellinger situation is a tough one for the club to navigate, given he has two more years of club control. But other players are soon to hit free agency, too. If you're Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations, how do you handle a situation with Belly? Thanks for taking my question. Now, thanks for asking the question. I appreciate it. You said Belly, which is so colloquial that I wonder whether you know him. I wonder whether you're his agent or I wonder whether you are him. The story with Cody Bellinger is that he's a former MVP. He was the talk of the town. He was the cornerstone of the Dodgers' success. He was playing defense, hitting home runs, hitting for average, leading the team, and then he has dropped off the proverbial cliff. He was hurt to begin the season, I grant you, but he has had a horrid season to the point where I'm not sure he will even be a starting player in a playoff game for the Dodgers. They have better players right now on that team. And the question you're asking is, as an executive, what am I doing with him? And you answered your question in your question. This is not a tough situation to navigate because they're the Dodgers. If they're the Marlins, they may have a problem. If I'm the Marlins and I'm paying a guy, $10 million and he's going to arbitration again and his salary could go up to $16 million, even though he's had a bad season, but he gets a natural raise because that's how arbitration works. And he's going to take up a bigger percentage of the payroll and that payroll may be allocated to other players or to pitching or to other needs that we have. Would I give up on an MVP player? And the answer is, Absolutely not. And here's why. Because I can't be wrong. When you are dealing with a player who has Bellinger's provenance, when he has his past, when he has his performance that you could always look back on during an offseason and say it was a bad year, but the year before was great. We've got to pencil him in. He's a middle of our lineup guy. We have to believe that he's going to get back to where he was. However, As the Marlins, we don't want to waste that payroll. So we're going to listen if someone wants to trade for him, but we are not going to give him away for pennies on the dollar. So we are willing to allocate that payroll space to him for one more year. If he has another bad year and he has one year left until free agency, We are going to move him for anything we can get. We're going to thank him for the MVP, thank him for the World Series ring, and that'll be the end of Bellinger on the the Marlins. 
That's how we would deal with it as a low revenue team. As a high revenue team, the calculus is totally different. The Dodgers are famous for putting good money after bad on the chance that it becomes good money again. There's no way they need to trade Bellinger. They're already over the luxury tax threshold. They've already acknowledged they're going to be over the threshold. They're willing to pay what it takes. They're willing to pay the fine, give up the picks because they find ways to get more picks. They find ways to get more international slot money. They find ways to take advantage of other low revenue teams. You know the Dodgers do that. You know they use their financial weight to be able to make decisions that other teams can't make. When you've got that ability, you hang in there with a player for longer than other teams do. You hang in there because, hey, you can. And in baseball, you don't know when the rebound season's going to go. You don't know when a great player becomes good and a good player becomes bad because you don't want to believe it's possible, but in some cases it is. And when you, that is, that is the greatest part about having money, the ability to waste it. Think about that just with people who are out and about, friends of yours who may have more money than you do. There's always someone who has more money than you do. There's always someone who has less money than you do. That's the golden rule of money. There's always someone who has more and always someone who has less. One subtle difference in your everyday life. Oh, look, my phone broke. Hey, I'm going to get a new phone right now. Hey, look, my phone cracked. I'll live with it. I don't get to trade in my phone for another six months. I'll live with the crack. It'll be fine. I can't see it very well unless I tilt it to the left and to the right. So there's always things. Oh, I can go out to dinner. I can get the market price fish of the day or lobster. Oh, I'm out at the same restaurant. I'm going to get the fried chicken. I'm going to still enjoy being at the same restaurant, but I'm not going to spend as much money. We all make decisions like that every single day. How we're going to allocate the resources we have. Actually, it's such an interesting thing to think about. It's not just people who run sports teams. It's people who run households. It's people who go out to dinner on a weekend. It's everywhere, those types of decisions. And that's where the difference between people with more money versus less money is you can hold off on those decisions for as long as possible. And so that is what Andrew Friedman will do. He will not play Belly this postseason if Belly continues to be a drag on the lineup. He will have Belly back in spring training and back as a Dodger, even with an overwhelming trade offer that I would accept as a Marlins president, it would have to be 3X that trade offer for the Dodgers to move on from him on the possibility that he will return to what he was. So you talk about teams who have that power. Money can be power in baseball. Steve Cohn has money like that. Steve Cohn can decide if he wants to go over the luxury tax threshold. And Steve Cohn has a big decision to make this offseason. And there is pressure happening in his baseball ranks. Forget the Mets season. It's finished, even beating the Phillies last night. They're not going to make the playoffs. The manager's gone. There's going to be a new president of baseball operations. All of those things are going to happen. But they're doing something now that is so silly that I hope I'm wrong that that's what they're doing. 
There was a report yesterday that Noah Syndergaard, do you remember Noah Syndergaard? He was part of the greatest rotation ever with DeGrom and Wheeler and somebody else. Mats, maybe. The Mets always have that. Coca, do you remember the uh, rotation with a guy named Jason Isringhausen was in a Mets rotation that was supposed to be the greatest. It was with Matt Harvey, Jason Isringhausen, and two other guys. And they were going to be the cat's meow. They were going to World Series and they were going to be there for 10 years. Anyway, Syndergaard was on that, was on in a rotation. He got Tommy John. He's been out. Then he had a setback when he had some soreness. It's going to happen. Then he got COVID, which set him back. But now the Mets are saying they want Syndergaard to come back this season. They want him to come back in a bullpen role, pitch a little bit to prove health so they can feel better about what to do with him as a free agent. Horse hockey. There is no baseball executive who will, when not line, will say that two or three or four bullpen appearances in September give you enough runway to say, hey, we're going to give that guy $120 million over six years. We're going to give him $120 million over five. We're going to give him $80 million over four. $80 million over three. We'll do a Bauer deal, give him $40 million times two. No. The Syndergaard issue that they have. Oh, thank you, Coca. It was Isringhausen and Bill Pulsifer. And it was, and it wasn't Harvey. Harvey was with Syndergaard, Mats, Wheeler, and DeGrom. That was going to be the rotation. Harvey gone. Syndergaard hurt. Mats on the Jays. Wheeler on the Phillies. DeGrom hurt. All right. Good call. Good catch. That's a great Monday work by you, Coca. Thank you. So here's the Syndergaard issue that the Mets have, and I want to explain to you, and I want to set it up for you. When you are a free agent, you know the concept of a qualifying offer. You give your free agent to be a qualifying offer, which is a one-year deal. Let's say it's going to be for $20 million. It's calculated according to uh, a formula based on salaries. But in any case, a player then can say, I'll take the one year for 20 million and I'm yours. Much like Kevin Gausman did with the Giants and Marcus Stroman did with the Mets this year. Gausman has been great for the Giants, not as of late, but he's been a huge help, obviously, for given what they are as a team now. Greatest team in baseball, surprise team. If you say no to the qualifying offer, then when you sign with another team, the team that gave you the qualifying offer gets an extra draft pick. If you're the New York Mets, do you give Noah Syndergaard a qualifying offer? When he's coming back from Tommy John and you have no idea what you're going to get and you're not going to know if he has four bullpen appearances or if he has zero bullpen appearances, if you know what you're doing in baseball, you know that that doesn't make one tinker's dam of difference. You do not know whether he is going to be a performing pitcher for you in 2022 but the Mets have the ability to do it where the Marlins would not. The Marlins would not be able to give him a qualifying offer because if you give a $20 million qualifying offer to a player who ends up not able to perform because they're not healthy or they're not effective, you are in trouble. The Mets don't have that. 
It's another reason to be jealous of those big revenue teams. It makes their decision-making process so much easier. But everyone's thinking, what will the Mets do? So I'll tell you right now, the Mets are going to give him a qualifying offer. I would not. The reason I would not is that as I look at my Mets team right now, and I'm focused on why we're four games under 500, on why we're missing the playoffs again, forgetting the fact that we're making all the changes in the front office, I'm looking right now at my pitching, and I'm looking at my bullpen, and I'm looking at my lineup, and I'm saying, oh, God, I've got to fix all three of them. I don't know that I can count on DeGrom for 200 innings ever. Certainly, Syndergaard coming back from Tommy John is not going to be 200 innings. I've got innings to fill. That's the calculation we would make. You do 162 times nine, and then you start allocating the innings to different players, starters, relievers, and then you have backup and then backup for your backup and backup for your backups backup. That's how you put a pitching staff together. And then you've got to match it with the money. And if you've got 20 million assigned to a player who you don't know if it'll be 140 innings, will it be 70 innings? Is it possible it could be 190 innings? Too much uncertainty. But wait to see. The Mets will do it. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. And sometimes it does. And sometimes it doesn't. But either way, we're going to revisit it. A long time ago, I did a way to see that I wanted to remind you of. And it was that Shohei Otani would not pitch again this season. I don't remember what show it was, but it was sometime way long ago, like three days. Remember when Otani had that arm issue? Well, on Friday's show, I told you Otani's done for the season. He pitched yesterday. He went eight innings, struck out 10 in a loss to the Oakland Athletics. What the hell are you doing there in Anaheim? It's not that I want to win the weight to see. I give you the weight to see because in my opinion, that's what makes sense. Are you trying to get him the MVP so you don't want him to be hurt and not pitch because you think it's so cool to have an MVP as an Anaheim Angel? I think it's cool to play in October. I think it's cooler to make sure that Otani is GTG for 2002-2. What is the reason that he's pitching right now? And the reason that the Anaheim Angels gave. Right from the mouth of Artie Moreno when he was lying in his bed looking at the sky. Looking at his phone, holding it up and saying, hey. <laughs> he had a 30-pitch bullpen and he felt good. Let's pitch him. Seriously? That's the best you got? He had a 30-pitch bullpen and he felt good, so you're going to put him on a major league mound to start a game? When you know he's had previous Tommy John, when you know that he had some arm soreness, what are you doing? I'm worked up about it. I think I'm worked up about it because I've been so open about Otani should be a one-way player. Make him the best offensive player he can be. Make him the best pitcher he can be. He's doing this well. As an MVP candidate, some of you saying a guaranteed MVP, by doing both, why risk it when you're 12 games back of the wild card with 11 to play? Anyway, we got that way to see wrong.
MLB came out with another memo this weekend. This is as you approach October, 10 days until October, the memos start coming in. When you're a playoff team or you're within three games of the playoffs, you have to actually prepare. This is a whole nother topic for a whole nother subject, but you have to prepare to host playoff games. You have to prepare to host a World Series. Even if you are four games back of the second wild card, MLB makes you put together a postseason manual. You put together postseason committees with your employees. You figure out all the entertainment that you're going to do during the World Series. You come up with your ticket pricing for the World Series, the LCS, the, the division series, the wild card game. It gets approved by baseball. You send out playoff invoices to fans because you want their cash to help your cash flow. MLB sends memos about all this. You have meetings, tons of meetings. A memo came out that didn't get that much attention yesterday. That MLB is now requiring that every single person in the dugout who is not represented by the Major League Baseball Players Association must be vaccinated or else you may not play and be a part of October baseball. It's not for the players. The players are in a union and the union for whatever reason, says, nah, we're not going to make our players get vaccinated because we're a union, so why would we ever do anything the management wants? Whatever. We'll have plenty of time to talk about new collective bargaining later. But MLB controls coaches, managers, trainers, security personnel, front office personnel. And in a new move, MLB has said that all managers must now be vaccinated and all coaches. If you don't like it, no problem. You cannot be on the bench during the playoffs. And all of those awesome anti-vaxxers are losing their mind. Oh, my God, how could you do this? How could you not do this? Is anyone paying attention to the numbers, paying attention to the science and the math, paying attention to what other companies are doing? You don't want to be vaccinated? No problem. You can't work here. You don't want to be vaccinated? No problem. You can't go into that restaurant. You don't want to be vaccinated? I don't care. You can't see this play. No problem. I'm not telling you to get vaccinated, even though you should. Then don't. You're just not going to be eating dinner where I am or going to any plays or movies or restaurants or anything. So MLB players have this rule requiring vaccination. And you know what's going to happen? Rumors are starting. Who's not vaccinated? Is it possible that Bob Boone's son, Aaron Boone, is not vaccinated? Who cares? The Yankees aren't going to make the playoffs. And Boone said he was, by the way. Could it maybe be Gabe Kapler? He's sort of out there. Maybe he's not vaccinated. They're going through right now the media, every single playoff team, potential playoff team, and they're trying to identify because rumor has it. Rumor has it. Adele told me that one manager at least is not vaccinated. If I'm the president of a team and my manager is not vaccinated, I have a very simple thing to say to him. Get vaccinated or you're not the manager. I don't need an MLB rule. My team, I'm the president of the team. I make the rules. You must be vaccinated. You want to resign? Great. You've got exemptions. Don't care. Here's a wait to see for you. Every single manager of every single postseason team will be on the bench during October. I promise you, you wait to see. 
Nothing personal pick of the day. We are now 119 and 101. That is not so shabby. Do you remember we had a good weekend? We told you Zach Wheeler would beat the Mets on Friday. They did. You may have been hesitant to take Florida plus 14 and a half versus Alabama because your view is Alabama crushes everyone there. Nick Saban's Alabama. Guess what? Florida plus 14 and a half. We got yourself a winner. And I'm so angry about what happened on Sunday yesterday. I gave you the NFL pick of Jets plus six over the Pats. I think their new quarterback, Owen Wilson, was inter- was intercepted four straight times, like early, or two straight times. I couldn't even watch it. I was so angry. Might as well have been Owen Wilson. His name is Zach Wilson. <laughs> Maybe it is Owens, Owen Wilson. Maybe it was Luke Wilson. Anyway, that was a loss. We went two and one over the weekend. Tonight's an interesting game. It turns out that the Saints probably are not as good as they looked against the Packers when they beat them 38 to three last week. The Packers are now playing the Detroit Lions tonight on Monday Night Football. We're going to watch it. Packers minus 11 and a half. That seems a little big, doesn't it? No, not big at all. Packers minus 11 and a half. They will blow out the Lions because I love the Packers and I'm doing this with my heart because if they don't blow out the Lions, I mean, forget the fact. If you can get the money line for the Packers game, I don't care if you're laying nine to one because it's a very simple equation. If you lose this bet, then that's it. You know the Packers are done. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to think about them. You know my wait to see on Aaron Rodgers being the league MVP is done, likely done anyway, given Tom Brady has 17 touchdown passes in his first two games. The, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won nine straight games while scoring 30 plus points over nine straight games. Just FYI. Packers minus 11 and a half, but we're going to do a baseball game because there's something going on in baseball of note. Uh, the Yankees are playing the Texas Rangers. The Yankees lost two games in a row to the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland uh, football team. And the Yankees are now playing a terrible team. And I'm taking the Yankees. Garrett Cole got his absolute tuchus destroyed over the weekend. But the Yankees have a game that they must win. They're looking up now at the Blue Jays in the wild card. They're looking up at the Red Sox in the wild card. Odd team out. They'll win. Those are my two picks, Packers and Yankees. All right, that's Monday. God, that flew by. We had two other things to talk about. Nah, it's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. 
Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 